Hi, and welcome to episode 30 of the Voice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Matt Sabolsky. In this episode, we speak to Horaeus Medical and two of their experts, Ash Malatra and Hugh Trotman. But first, a brief message from our sponsor. We know you hate typing. We know you've had bad experiences with speech-to-text software. You may have even tried sending voice recordings overseas for transcription. Maybe you were so desperate to solve your medical documentation problem, you paid $35,000 for a Google Glass system. There are so many ways to get your medical notes completed, but what are the pluses and minuses of each solution? Which solutions provide a real return on your investment? Read Suki's complete guide to choosing a medical documentation solution. Go to get.suki.ai. That's get.suki.ai to download. Hi, and welcome to the Voice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Matt Sabolsky, here with my co-host, Reed McClellan. Say hi, Reed. Hey, Matt. It's great to be here with you today. Glad to be here with you, too. I'm the founder of a company called Ionia Healthcare Consulting. We focus on improvement, conversational AI, and all things tech and healthcare. Reed McClellan is the founder and CEO of Cortina Health. Reed, tell us a little bit about Cortina Health. Cortina is an artificial intelligence healthcare company with a focus of truly restoring the care in healthcare and improving quality of life for both patients and physicians. Thanks, Reed. We are joined today by two experts I know you'll find both informative and entertaining in their breadth of knowledge and their passions. Today, Ash Malatra and Hugh Trotman from Horaeus Medical are here with us on the show. Uh, thanks, Matt. I'll go first, actually. Uh, so my name is, as you said, Ashutosh Malotra. Expertise trained as a bioinformatician. Actually, I love that field when in 2003, I heard of sequencing of human genome project and somehow the concept enthralled me and I tried to follow up the topic and uh, the subject. And that led to bachelor's, master's, PhD in the topic. Uh, further continuing, I was not interested in basic research to follow up with industry that got me into the company Herius, where I've been serving for five years now and uh, currently responsible for digital health activities within Herius Medical, which is one of the business units from out of 12 business units of Herius Group altogether. Hi, Matt. Hi, Reid. Thanks for the invite onto the podcast. Really looking forward to it. Uh, my name's Hugh Trotman. I'm based in the UK. I've got a background in healthcare, a healthcare for 10 years in clinical settings in various hospitals throughout the UK, Wales and Europe, and also 20 years experience within the orthopedic field of medical sales at very senior levels. Um, passionate about uh, improving patient care and improving patient outcomes. Well, we're pleased to have both of you here. Um, let's get it started and talk briefly, if one of you don't mind doing so. What is Horaeus? Where's their focus? And, and globally, what are your uh, strategies at the moment? Yeah, Matt, I'll, I'll take that one if you don't mind. Um, so Horaeus, as an organization, is a Fortune 500 company. It's a family-owned company within Germany, 
Um, we have an active and um, uh, market-leading medical product portfolio that is world-renowned. We manufacture, we're the manufacturer, the leading manufacturer of bone cement that's used in arthroplasty surgery, so cementing of shoulders, hips, knees, and ankle replacements. Um, we are both the manufacturer and with direct and indirect sales teams and suppliers that are our customers. We're very active uh, within the digital market itself as we see that this is an area of a growth potential for our organization. And as we've got a, a very, very mature, digital, uh, a mature traditional business. Tangibly, what are your goals in those worlds of tech uh, when it comes to your model and your market? Well, to be honest, I mean, one of the goals of the company itself is customer first. That's one of the first focus points. And now if you talk of that word customer first, what does customer wants? And at this moment, in this era of value-based healthcare, customers wants reduced costs and better patient outcomes. Because customer in this regards, what we refer to in our scenario are hospitals or surgeons, yeah, who we serve, who use our product in surgeries. And the typical goal in this regards when it's come to digital is also provide solutions that can finally fulfill that goal of value-based medicine, any kind of technology in that regards that can help us further to reduce cost and improve uh, patient outcomes is something that will favor. Tell us about some current projects you're working on, the outcomes of which you're excited about and the application therein. So we start with, uh, as we are based in the orthopedic market, so when we look at the orthopedic market, we see trends coming up like fast track surgery uh, is a trend and uh, yeah, how do you generate further value for the patients? And in this regards, as a first solution or first product, digital product that we got in the market, we call it Herius Care, which is basically a telemedicine solution which digitalized patient journey preoperatively as well as uh, help the 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 providers basically to collect post-operatively outcomes from the patient. So that's the product. That's the initial step uh, that Herius Medical has taken in this regards. Now, of course, when we talk of things, there are quite some challenges what you face in the market at this moment. And uh, yeah, one of the biggest challenges is that, okay, in digital health is basically formed of two words. One is digital, one is health. If you think of digital world on its core, it has its principle and one of the biggest uh, motivating factor in that or one of the main principles is speed. So you expect things to be moving with quite a speed. On the other side, when you consider the world health, health is in itself, or healthcare in itself has been a marathon runner. Now imagine digital health as a intersection or synergistic thing between the two areas. And as a digital health person, you have to think about the speed with which digital world is running, and also the persistence that you have to maintain in a typical healthcare setup. And this is not an easy combination to achieve, and which is one of the bigger challenges uh, that you face, you know, whenever you try to introduce a new product or digital product in the market, because you imagine or that sales cycles and everything in this regards will move quite fast. Uh, with the, which is typical nature of digital uh, project. Matt, you intimated that with the development, with the, the global pandemic, the, the increase 
or the appetite for accepting more telehealth-based products has increased exponentially. Telehealth is really a, a major buzzword since the pandemic of COVID-19, right? Um, my first question for you guys is, was your company working on a telehealth solution pre-pandemic? And if so, what really uh, drew you guys to want to work on that? So the, based on that need, and when you realize the whole orthopedic care sign, uh, cycle, we did started the project with our telemedicine product called Harrier's Care way back in 2019. Now, uh, with COVID happening, uh, one of the issues that we faced is that our elective surgery was canceled completely. So all the people or all the customers that we had in the pipeline, even to start with that uh, typical on our typical digital orthopedic journey, were not able to do anything because elective surgery is on hold. And then we've thought, okay, how we can further cash upon this time and further help community, you know, to develop and uh, serve our customers in this regards. So what we did is we adapted our products specifically to serve the needs of COVID-19 times. And in that regards is again, remote monitoring or symptom tracking of the patient, or at times the patient potential COVID positive uh, patient plus uh, the contacts that the particular patient has remotely. And uh, happy to say that we have been serving active customers. We are still, which are still using solution, uh, our solution for tracking COVID-19 patients in Germany. So this has been our journey so far. Pre-COVID, of course, we are existing, but also we made a contribution to the COVID times. You know, it's very interesting that you guys created this uh, COVID tracker. I'm, I'm curious, can you go into a little more detail? Uh, is this an application that uh, asks patients certain symptoms once a day, once a week? And even though you uh, are focused on orthopedic surgery and preoperative tracking, uh, is this something that Germany uh, or other countries at large would like to maybe implement just in general? Because we know that contact tracing and really determining who has symptoms is one of the best ways to uh, decrease overall spread. So let me explain in certain details how the system works. So basically, how it's not a like automatic tracking system. It's basically on, it's a two-way system. There's an app that the patient can download and there's a dashboard that's sitting on the hospital side. And how it works normally, if I give you an example of the German system, in German, in German system, there are healthcare authorities. So if a part, or healthcare authority offices, to be precise, and if a particular patient feels like he has COVID-like symptoms, he can go to this health authority offices where he will be tested. And then when this patient is tested, is coming out to be positive, it is there where in the dashboard, the patient is registered and then the patient is quarantined for 14 days. So in this 14 days time, the patient got the app component and hospital or the healthcare authorities had the dashboard component and it's the communication between these two devices, which is normally happening. Now it's a more centralized model. And of course, in terms of data security, we make sure that we have all the required consents and so on in this regard. So we can't pull it out Okay, that makes perfect sense. You know, for our listeners, we don't have uh, normally a lot of international uh, healthcare specialists on. And so it's very interesting, I believe, for all of us to know that you guys work in the U.S. and you also work, of course, in Europe and around the world. Can You mentioned already earlier that the United States was 
ahead of the game when it comes to certain parts of digital health. Can you dive in a little bit more to that and explain what the differences are with working in the United States compared to uh, perhaps working in Europe? Um, from a digital standpoint? Of course, I'm sure there are many ways from just an overall healthcare standards, but from the digital aspect. So one big aspect that really has been a trouble point for us, you know, active in this area, and if really directly compare US and Europe, it's, let's say, the data security guidelines. I mean, in US, to the best of my knowledge and what I know in interactions in US, so when you try to sell a digital product, if you have a high trust certification, which is existing in US, that's sufficient to satisfy your customers saying that, okay, you have taken care of all the data security concerns and so on. Now in Europe, we have a satisfier. In Europe, we have a law which came recently a couple of years before enforcement, which is GDPR. And the issue is that, of course, there is no certification existing in the market which says that you are GDPR compliant or there's a seal on hand saying that you are GDPR compliant or something like that. So actually, of course, uh, we are GDPR compliant, and I bet most of the telemedicine solutions active in the European market is GDPR compliant. But when you go to a customer, and the initial hurdle or initial thing is always to convince the medical staff, but also, as you know, the patient data is a very important thing in this whole projects and is, is a very important topic. So they always would like to involve their IT folks from the hospital and so on, and then always come the famous question of GDPR and then getting included in this document. And the time and at times our experience has been that it's literally what they need is a legal person from our side going and talking to them because they need to make sure that, okay, here is a legal person talking, so he must have done his job, which really increases our sales cycle tremendously um, in that regard. So just to give you an evidence, you know, and then B, Electronic health infrastructure is quite widespread uh, in the U.S., even at this moment. Whereas at this moment, this is still a budding topic, depending on which country are we talking about in Europe, because in Nordics, of course, it's, it's quite an established thing. Whereas when you consider Germany or even U.K., the hospitals are adapting to things. So processes and things related to digitalization uh, vastly differs in this market. Yeah, the the US are um, as a, as a nation are considered to be early adopters. So um, the the population as a whole, because of the cost of healthcare, uh, the majority of the cost of healthcare in the US, um, patients have to be savvy and they have to look for alternative solutions. And their surgeons and their providers have to look for alternative solutions as well as their insurance companies that help to reduce or take cost out of the system while improving their overall patient care. I think that's a great point, Hugh. I'll also mention the following regarding what Ash mentioned about GDPR, what you mentioned about the consumer being savvy, remote-based care tools for patients. It starts to become not only a matter of being discriminatory about the, the provider I get, but discriminating against the tool I'm using to help myself as well as how savvy I am about the cost of that for me versus the benefit of the longitudinal benefit of my own health. So as we start to habituate ourselves as consumers to retail, we're gonna start habituating ourselves as consumers to healthcare as well, having lots of access to different tool sets. Still, all of us are unaware of who's gonna rise at the top as the primary providers. Is it Teladoc? Is it Horaeus Care? 
Is it somebody else? That being the case, data, privacy, and information is, is definitely on the minds of U.S. consumers, and it's really important. What's, what's going to be primary? Where are our hands going to get dirty in the next five years here as technicians and clinicians and healthcare passionate people? From a general hospital point of view, you're going to start with solutions like remote monitoring solutions, which can get data for you. It's basically movement to the digital thing from analog as a first step. And once, I mean, then this data can be collected by using remote monitoring tools, call it apps for patients, communication tools, that can be further helped on by sensors, eventually growing how the adaptation or how the adoption will improve in the market. So the second wave, or it can be combined, or how I see it normally is that because uh, cost is also something that you have to consider in this market. And initially, yeah, you have to start with at a low level. You can't jump at immediately high level because you have to justify it to costs uh, and economic model existing in that regards. And of course, you can do a lot of machine learning and AI onto this data and come up uh, with your theories or hypothesis in that regards of finer patterns. So if I have to draw a graph, I'll say starting with the data collection tools, and that can be, as I said, remote monitoring sensors and so on, eventually going into AI. How do we know that we get a good result on surgery? Well, in the UK, we've got the NJR, which is a national joint registry. It's got over 2.5 million people um, registered on it, and the outcomes you know, of big data tell us what will happen. So expectation management, so using AI to manage patients' expectations, I think will be the next big step because patients come in and you know, they, they want to have a very good result. Clinicians want patients to have a good result and so do the providers as well. The truth of the matter is there are not enough human healthcare providers there in the United States or in the world at large. In fact, in Finland, research shows that by the year 2050, every individual that enters the workforce would have to go into the healthcare field to take care of all their people. So there's no way to do that. We've, said, we've heard a few uh, key words here earlier from Ash and Hugh about big data, automation. I believe that over the next uh, several years, and it will move quickly because um, technology does move quickly, we will see more and more automation of different aspects of the healthcare field. And I never believe that a human will be removed from serving and taking care of the patient, but I believe that he or she will be empowered by this uh, art automation to better do their job in a more efficient and effective uh, manner. That's right. Uh, Eric Topol said, uh, we won't be removing the human from care, right? You leave the human in human care. Um, that's a really important Absolutely. Point. I realized that, you know, when Reed and I met with him, that was a, a big topic of his, is keep the care in healthcare. Today, Piraeus Medical, represented by two of their uh, budding stars, or actually established stars, Ash, Hugh, thanks for joining Reed and I on this very short, brief, but a very insightful conversation. And uh, we look forward to being with you in Basel, Switzerland, and maybe even Taipei in the following year. Thank you, gentlemen. Matt Reed, thank you. Thank you very much, guys, for having us on. It's been great. Thanks a lot. Been a pleasure. Wonderful, gentlemen. We'll be seeing you soon. This has been the Voice of Healthcare podcast. We'll see you next time. 